You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 16 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host, Tyler Bell, coming from the, the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada here, early Sunday morning. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing this morning, Alec? Oh, not too bad. It's warming up out there. How are you doing? Oh, much of the same. Feeling a little sore this morning, playing some pickup hockey last night. But yeah, that's expected when uh, you barely get to hit the ice. So yeah, definitely feeling things in the body. Getting a little old, I think now. 26. It's uh, yeah, your body's not like you were when you were 20 years old. That's for sure. But uh, definitely, definitely need to do a bit more yoga these days and try to take care of the body more and have a, you know, just just a little bit less soreness going on after those. So uh, it is what it is, though. Uh, what, what's new with you these days? So many people heard you just say you were getting old at 26 and said, fuck you. I know <laughs> it's funny, but dude, honestly, my back wish I would have took better care of it when I was younger because uh, this back makes me feel like I'm 35 years old, I swear. And uh, I know people are going to take offense to that, but uh, that's just how I feel. I, I don't even want to know what my back's going to be like uh, when I do hit 35, uh, <laughs> unless I start taking real serious care of it now. So uh, anyways, yeah, what's new with you, man? Oh, not much, you know, lockdown in Ontario. So go to work, go home. That's, that's right you guys are in lockdown again on terrible as everybody out west likes to call it <laughs> ah fuck it is what it is fuck you doug <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's so bullshit feels like every six months that meme gets played again and it just gets bigger and bigger yeah <laughs> oh, no that made me laugh when i seen it the other day <laughs> Oh, man, what a mess it is down there. Just lockdown after lockdown. All these NHL teams who are playing out of there, hence two of them, um, Toronto and Ottawa, they just end up like canceling their game, postponing their games. Some are due to COVID and some are due to the fact that they can't put enough fans in their building because of the restrictions. So it's like they're not going to make any money, uh, you know, having 
you know, a thousand people go to a game right now. So what's the point of doing it right now? And after all the struggles that these teams have went through um, with those restrictions, I, you know, how do you argue with them with that decision? Right. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Unfortunately, I mean, they were able to do it a little while ago, but I do understand the owners being like, why the hell do we not get to make money in Ontario and Canada and some spots, but you know, everyone down in the States gets to have all their full revenue coming in. So I can understand that. Yeah, I, I do too. Like it's hilarious. You know, what was it last weekend? Uh, Toronto and Ottawa playing in front of absolutely nobody. And in the same night you have 36,000 or so, uh, in an outdoor stadium for a game. So a uh, b- bit of a weird one for sure, but that's kind of been the Canadian government uh, throughout this whole pandemic and, and making a lot of bizarre decisions. So sucks for you here in Alberta. Uh, cases are climbing like crazy, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's no talk of any kind of lockdown. So lucky there, lucky to still be able to go to the rinks, play some hockey. And uh, I mean, other than that, I just get groceries. So that's just kind of what life is right now. So, and yeah, because of that COVID too, we had absolutely no cracking games to watch this past week. So that was pretty unfortunate, right? Yeah. That's just another side effect of COVID. I mean, thanks for taking everything from me. Oh, I was so jacked up to watch that uh, game Thursday night too, against Ottawa, obviously two favorite teams colliding for a matchup there. Obviously not a lot on the line based on where they are in the standings, but still it's, it's always an exciting game. And, you know, Ottawa gets hit with COVID, you know, four or five guys go down and boom, game's postponed again. So I was pissed to say the least on that. So it is what it is though, right? Yep. That's the motto for me this week. It is what it is. It is what it is. And, you know, we might have not might not have had any any games to watch, but, you know, we still have a lot to bring to this podcast here. We got some NHL news that we're going to touch up on. We're going to introduce a new segment as well into this podcast. And then we still have four games scheduled for this upcoming week. So that's pretty exciting. They're going to be some tough games. Uh, So we'll be previewing those games and then. Uh, to end the podcast today, we're just going to take a little look back at the expansion draft and some of the decisions that this uh, Seattle Kraken organization made. You know, do we agree with some of them? What would we change? A couple things like that, just to touch up on it, because, you know, looking back in retrospect now, I uh, can imagine there are some things that that organization would definitely change. So we're going to put our two cents into that uh, discussion as well. So, yeah, why don't we just get fired right into it here with some NHL news, starting off with the bad news, of course. Another injury for the Kraken, of course. This is another big guy going down, and that's Jaden Schwartz, who's out four to six weeks due to a hand injury. And that's as far as we know is that it's just a hand injury and one that requires surgery. So another big blow on the injury front for this Kraken team. Talk to me about how big of a loss this is for the Kraken right now. Oh, this is huge for them. I mean, the guy who's playing consistently in your top six really started to find his groove a little bit. He was a bit snake bitten there a couple weeks ago. I mean, tough to say he was finding his groove a little bit with no hockey the last week and a bit, I know. But if you look over the last few games, he was really a 
physical presence for them up front, especially with Tanev being out. Someone's got to shoulder the load, and it was kind of looking to be Schwartz, I think, but not anymore. Next man up. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Schwartz, obviously, he's basically played most of the season on the first line. Um, him and Everly were starting to lead the way in points by a, a decent little margin there, at least points per game once. Once they started to get hot, it was a it was a very very tough start at the beginning uh, this season for Jaden Schwartz, and then he really did start to find his groove. Um, but again, it's I think it's been tough on this team uh, when you have a coach like Haxtell who's been juggling his lines so much. So between that postponements of games and stuff, it's really hard for these guys to find chemistry, uh, and it. It kind of has been, but um, anytime he's kind of been on the same line as Eberly, they seem to click pretty well. And obviously, probably their two highest offensive dynamic forwards. I'd say McCann is right there, ready to blossom into that. He's still pretty young, but I think uh, if you're looking at proven players, uh, it's got to be Schwartz and Eberly up front, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, they kind of took over and led the charge there offensively for a good stretch of the season and what we were expecting when it first came in. And it took them a couple weeks to get there. But I think it was around the 12 game mark. Aberly really exploded and started leading the way in goals. And for, mm -hmm. like you were saying, he just finds ways to get passes through to guys, especially down low, working around the net. He'll find somebody. Yeah, very good at that. So obviously a big loss for Seattle. And if you're looking at kind of the silver lining to it. Um, you know, the Kraken aren't in a playoff spot right now and they're far away from one. Um, <laughs> so if you are looking at the silver lining, you have two big injuries going down. At least these injuries aren't happening when you're battling in a playoff position and you're all pretty much not statistically, but if you look at it, they're getting very close to that point already where, playoffs are not happening this year and i think everyone's starting to be uh pretty aware of that so the silver lining is you're losing these guys when uh you're not going to be a playoff team so uh maybe just help the tank uh tank a little harder matthew savoie Ma oh matthew savoie i like it throwing out you know a lot of people obviously throwing out uh the big names uh, you know, in that top three list, obviously Shane Wright, but I like it, Matthew Savoie. And that's a guy we're going to get into a little bit more on the next pod, right? We're going to talk spoiler about alert. some of these guys. So a little spoiler alert uh, right there. We're going to get to a deep dive maybe into uh, the 2022 draft. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, at least the silver lining is they are pretty much out of a playoff spot. But anytime you lose a guy like Jaden Schwartz out, you know, it sucks and uh, you always have want to have a guy like that around the dressing room. He's a leader. So, uh, you know, moving on to some other news, though, uh, just released yesterday, the San Jose Sharks have informed Evander Kane that he has been placed on unconditional waivers with intent to terminate his contract for breach of his NHL standard player contract and for violation of the AHL COVID protocols. So that's some big news there, uh, Durham. So give me your thoughts on this one. Well, I mean, I didn't really see it happening twice, but I got a laugh at a good joke going around on the internet the other day. It was Evander Kane was pissed to find out his fake vaccine card doesn't work in the AHL either. <laughs> 
Yeah, and uh, this one, it, it did kind of come as a shocker, uh, you know, kind of out of the blue there. But, uh, I mean, looking at it too, especially if you're the San Jose organization, are you hoping that, you know, Evander Kane did something where you could terminate his contract and get that off the books? Is this a, a big plus for the San Jose Sharks? Well, I don't think it was something they were looking for to happen in the last like six months ago, maybe, but now I think they're absolutely thrilled that it did. Everyone knows that contract was going to be a bit of a problem in the next few years. So now they're going to be able to get out of it and get out of it for free. Yeah. That's the big thing here. Obviously Evander Kane has went through some stuff, you know, in, in the last few months here, you know, a, a the gambling scandal, the the fake COVID passport in the NHL. And, you know, <laughs> by the sounds of it, maybe he was doing the same thing in the AHL. Like you said, <laughs> he tried to pull that card twice, <laughs> literally. So um, I, I don't know. It, it, if, I, if I'm the San Jose Sharks, though, I'm um, I'm kind of thrilled because the rumors going back even, a you know, a month or two ago when there was a Vander Kane rumors about, you know, being traded – the talk was that San Jose was willing to eat half of his contract just to move him. Um, so, you know, I think he had three more years after this one. Uh, so the fact that they don't have to eat any part of his salary and, you know, they just get to, you know, part ways now. I think uh, the San Jose Sharks are pretty thrilled with that because it would have been hard to find um, somebody who's willing to take on that salary and, you know, I don't know how much they would have got in a package for a trade. It's one of those situations where everybody knows that there's some turmoil there. So teams are offering cheap deals. Um, so maybe this is a bit of a win-win. Uh, the crappy thing here for Evander Kane is, you know, as a result of the termination, uh, Kane has to forfeit $22.8 million dollars in money and so that's not good for somebody who's had some uh uh potential money issues too um in in his life so that's a lot of money that's a lot of coin to be leaving on the table there just uh just to kind of fake a covid passport eh? yeah that that hurts i don't care who you are and how much you've made already losing 22 mil hurts yeah here's a question do you think uh, a team's gonna pick him up for a playoff run here I don't know. I thought like you were a guy who was saying you thought for sure somebody was going to pick him up in a trade. But now with breaking the COVID protocol news again, I think that might kind of sway teams to is he worth the trouble? Yeah, uh, that's a tough call there. Like, you know, organizations are going to want to put that aside in order to because you look at Evander Kane. I mean, his his play speaks for itself. Uh, he's a tough player who can score a lot of goals and he's kind of that playoff style type of player that you want to be picking up and adding to your team for a playoff run. So it just seems like it's every month or two, this guy's in the news for something uh, and it, you know, it's, it's not good news. It's usually negative. So does a team want to add that to their locker room? That's the big question. Like, is that something you want to risk? Are you willing to add him to a locker room that has 
you know, a really good leader in it, a Crosby, a Bergeron, somebody who you really hope to God he's not going to step on their toes and, and he kind of falls in line with the squad. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks there. I really thought he would get picked up, but after this and after the termination, we'll see. We'll see if a, a team's willing to do it or not, right? Yeah, I guess time will tell. Time will tell. So it'll be an interesting uh, storyline to follow going forward. Um, but moving on, uh, we're not quite done with the NHL news. We've got some positive news here to end with. Some, so Matty Beneers invited to join the USA Olympic hockey team. Of course, the World Juniors were canceled um, and NHL players aren't going to uh, the Olympics this year. So Matty Paneers gets the invite and explain why he's allowed to go there and what this means for the USA Olympic hockey team, adding a guy like Matty Paneers. Well, he's allowed to go because he's not in, in the NHL league or NHL affiliated league with the uh, AHL there. Cause there are some guys on NHL contracts in the A that aren't going to get an opportunity to go over or their NHL teams won't let them. So Paneers being unsigned can basically do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, he's still considered an amateur player, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And adding a guy like this to the Olympic hockey team here for the U.S., um, you're not going to have many guys in this tournament, um, at least the North American teams, who are going to be bringing this level of skill to their hockey team. So just talk to me about uh, what Matty Beneers brings to this team and how big that is for them. Oh, he's going to bring a lot of strength down the middle of the ice. You know, good 200-foot game, good goal-scoring ability, especially around the net there. He'll play the middle of the ice on the power play most likely. And, uh, you know, getting bringing these young guys from college hockey to the Olympics this year or world championships for the past year is something that, you know, happens every single season with USA Hockey. They're pretty good at introducing their young guys, one or two of them that had a really good college season to their uh, men's national program that way and it's something that i've kind of admired i wish canada would do a little more often as well yeah the u.s has been really good especially in the last like i want to say like seven years or so and even going back farther than that they do like to bring some of those younger guys some 19 year olds to those men's tournaments and really showcase them and you know give them some of that experience heading into, you know, their pro seasons, their first pro seasons. So like you said, they do an awesome job at that. Something I wish Canada would, would do a bit more. I think we did see it last year, but circumstances were a little different with COVID and whatnot. I think they were struggling to find people who would actually go. Um, So, you know, maybe that's something that'll continue. Hopefully Uh, we got to see it on the Canada side for the world championship championship team with owen power last season um or last tournament last year so that that was pretty cool but yeah to see um to see maddie veneers get a chance to go to the olympic hockey team here and be able to be a big part of that team i'm thinking definitely fits in the top six uh that'll be huge for him and it's great experience and who knows what kind of noise these North American teams are going to make. Well, it'll be interesting to see the lineups when they come out, but uh, you know, if you could snag a, a medal, not just gold, silver, bronze, something like that, that's huge for a guy like Matty Beneers and his development going forward. 
absolutely is going to step into the pro ranks next season and just be ready to go having played against men. Yeah, something that you, you play against the young men in college, obviously. You, you got guys ranging in that you know early, mid-20 range, but uh, this is definitely a step up. You're playing against uh, veterans, people who have been playing pro hockey for 10 years. So this is... This is a huge opportunity for him and excited to be watching the Olympics. Um, obviously not as excited with the NHL players not in it, but definitely something we're going to be tracking and keeping an eye on going forward, right? Oh, absolutely. It's still a fantastic hockey game to watch. Exactly. All right, moving on here, though. We got uh, a new segment to introduce this week and pretty pumped about this one. We're going to be bringing this in every single week. And this segment is going to be called Stat of the Week, where we hit you with uh, <clears throat> just a real interesting stat, uh, something that you may not expect, uh, something that's kind of off the page a bit. Uh, we're going to take a deep dive into these stats and really pull out the ones that make you think and might shock you a little bit, give you some shock and awe, right? Yeah, they won't always be good stats. Some are getting might not always, yeah. Hint, hint to this one right here. This might not be a positive stat, but it's something that's very relevant with uh the Seattle Kraken's hockey that they've been playing as of late and uh a very frustrating part of uh their hockey so far, uh, especially lately. So, taking a look at this stat here, I'm gonna hit you with it. Okay, 8.7 percent of times the Kraken score a goal, they've allowed a goal within the next. 60 seconds Oof. so one minute there 8.7 percent that's pretty bad that's yeah i almost it is a lot i almost had to double check this stat because uh lately it's felt like it's <laughs> felt like it's about 78 percent of the time maybe in the last three or four games combined it might be up there but holy crap that is real bad and not only that that percentage increases to 14.2% when doubled to 120 seconds or two minutes after a crack and score a goal. So what, what is with them giving up goals uh, as soon as they score them? What is going on there? How, how do you explain it? I mean, that's just bad response by your team. You, you let up, you get a goal. You got to find a way to keep the pressure going for that next two minutes. And for comparison, that means one out of every six and a half goals that Seattle scores, they're getting scored on within the next two minutes. That's brutal. That's every, that's every other game pretty much for a team that doesn't score that many goals in the first place. You're giving one back immediately. Yeah. Talk about it. Just an uphill battle constantly. Like <clears throat> some people say momentum's not real, but it's, in my eyes, it definitely is. And once you score a goal, like momentum should be on your side. And they've constantly been letting that drain right back out of the tank after letting these goals be scored right on the or against them right, you know, back to back after they scored. It's it's just brutal. And it it deflates a team. And we've seen it with uh some of their comebacks in games and and tying those games late and you know, making them push at the end only to have a weak goal be scored against them right off the bat. Um, it, it, it's tough to watch. And the fact that it's happened so many times, I 
don't know what the explanation really is. Like it, it must be a mental thing at this point. Like you said, a uh, combination of some bad goaltending too. But uh, at this point, it almost feels like a curse. Yeah. I mean, that's something you got to lock up. You're not going to be a winning team when you keep crap like that going on. No, it, it's, it's a tough look. So I, I'm sure they've had discussions about it in the room, obviously. Uh, and it's something that they're, wanting to clean up and get rid of because uh, you're never going to be a su- successful team if you, you know, consistently let them score right after you, you bury a goal and, you know, try to find that momentum <laughs> and it just gets flattened on you like that. So, you know, great, great stat of the week to start off with, but uh, you know, maybe next week we'll hit you with something a bit more on the positive side, but how could you let that one pass and shout out to Kraken season, on Instagram there a great Instagram account to follow. If you're not, that's Kraken S Z N. So shout out to that account too, for providing that stat. Uh, Cause that was a bit of a mind mind bender. But again, if you've been watching the games as of lately, maybe not so much of one, but at the end of the day, that's just terrible. Yikes. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes in their very first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw $1 down on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores just a single goal. That's promo code THPN. PN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, Kraken fans, welcome back to episode 16 of Keeping Up with the Krakens. Like we said before, we didn't have any games to watch last week, but next week is looking packed and packed with some pretty hard games here, Durham. Starting things off tomorrow night, that's Monday the 10th against Probably the hottest team in the NHL right now. That's the Colorado Avalanche. 21-8-2 record, but 8-2 in their last 10 games. And they've been scoring tons of goals in their last 20 games. Uh, Give me your thoughts on this matchup. What do we expect here? Well, we expect Colorado to probably score about five goals. Over the last 21 games, they're averaging five goals for a game. That's nuts. That's insane when you think about it. Five goals a game in in twenty one games. To average that, that that's mind blowing. And, and obviously, they're they're uh, they've been pretty healthy now in that stretch, and they're just firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, especially now that they're all healthy. But um, yeah, give me give me your thoughts. What's this matchup going to be like? Oh, it's going to be an extremely tough one. I mean, for Seattle, they're more of a defensive style team anyways, and Colorado's an offensive style team. So it's kind of a clash of styles here. 
but I think Colorado's going to overtake. There's just too fast. There's too much skill. I mean, everyone wants to talk about all their great forwards, but Kale McCarr's one goal behind Miko Rantanen for the team lead with 15. That's not bad. That not only is that bad, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I mean, that puts him on uh, on a pace for, what, 35-plus goals as a defenseman? Uh, when was the last time we even seen that in the NHL? The only name that kind of comes to mind to me, um, you know, in the last 15, 20 years is Mike Green. Yeah, I think he put up 31 the one year. I think it's been about 45 or 50 years since a defenseman put up 35. Or 35 plus. That is just insane. And, you know, you take a look at a guy like Kale McCarr, uh, like his ability, his skating, the pace he plays at, the tenacity in his game, like uh, the way like he rem- he has that McDavid-esque to his skating and his explosiveness. Obviously, it's not on McDavid's level, but if you're looking at a defenseman who's the closest, Kale McCarr is the top of that list. We've seen it. We've seen it, especially his goal against Chicago the other night. Like, how sick was that goal? Oh, that was just nasty. Just the cutback on the wall. And even if you want to talk about McCarr goals, how about the snapper that he let go against the Leafs last night? Just casual, not a full wind-up either, mid-pivot, and just rips it top shelf. Yeah, his release is one of the best from the point, and he does a very good job at uh, you know doing one of those little fake shots, you know, bringing that puck back, and just a small snapper. Like he's not winding this thing up. He's not doesn't look like he's putting everything into it. But my God, do those go off like a cannon when he releases them? Yeah, that's a guy that's just got it. Yeah, and when it comes to talent, the Colorado Avalanche. They have plenty of it, plenty, plenty of it. They have their huge guns up front, the the McKinnon, the Rantanen, the Landis Cog line. They're getting it done, but they're also getting some unreal secondary scoring all throughout their lineup here. Like, look at how much Kadri stepped up in the you know in the presence or when a couple of those guys were out. He he really stepped up and was basically leading the league in points per, per game for a good month, month and a half of time there. Uh, you know, w- when you have, when you're having that kind of presence from, you know, deeper in your lineup, that, that just speaks volumes to just how great your team really is. Uh, this, this team is a wagon. They had a slow start to the year. Their goaltending wasn't too good, but it looks like Kemper has really turned things around. Mind you, he did get pulled against the Leafs last night. But uh, I, I do believe that he's getting more and more comfortable as the season goes. And this Colorado team is going to continue to move up in the standings uh, because they, they're just one of the funnest, most dynamic teams in the NHL these days and primed for another deep playoff run, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they look like they're built to just go for it every single year for the next five or six years. Yeah, they have the pieces in place. They have great deals with uh, some of their forwards. I mean, McKinnon, what is he making? Six and a half for another three or so years still? Yeah, best contract in the league. Yeah, right up there, best contract in the league. Like, it definitely doesn't hurt you. I mean, that's a guy who could be making $11 million a year, no problem. 
probably going to be a bit higher than that on his next deal. Though he did say publicly that he's uh, willing to take that pay cut to, to win championships. So you got to love that kind of mentality too. Yeah. He'll probably sign for 10. Yeah. And we'll be like, <laughs> what a deal. What a steal. Yeah. No kidding. Especially uh, when you're looking at contracts that, that far down the road from now, uh, we might see some $14 million deals by then. Imagine signing McKinnon extension, eight years, 9.5 mil. Because he likes the superstition about no $10 million con or players winning playoff series. <laughs> That's true. That's the thing with hockey players, man. Superstitious as fuck. So, and his best friend, uh, Sidney Crosby. So yeah, superstition central there. It, well, exactly. And... You know, he's learned a lot from Crosby, and that's a guy who has been taking pay cuts as well in his deals. You know, he went with the 8.7, right, to match the number, to match the birth year. Uh, what is he born? August 7th, then? Yeah, 8.7.87. Yeah, yeah. So he's all about the superstitious numbers as well. So uh, we'll see what uh, McKinnon does. Uh, what's his jersey number again? 26? 22. 22. Interesting. 2.2 mil. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, is there a three-year deal you could make happen? But, or, or a two-year deal, he just takes 11, says fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. He, he'll get a long-term deal in Colorado. I'd be shocked if it's anything else. But, yeah, moving on from Colorado, um, I don't even want to predict the score of the game. They lost to them earlier in the year, 7-3. That was a tough one. But, uh, you know, moving on, they have a bit of a easier competition, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, the Dallas Stars, they're going to be going into that game on Wednesday the 12th with a 17-12-2 record. Um, but lately, a bit of a struggle. They're only 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. Uh, what do you expect out of uh, this kind of matchup against Dallas the first time we'll, we'll be seeing them this season? Honestly, I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, it kind of depends on what Dallas team you're going to get. They've been so streaky where they have, they string together a few losses and they look sluggish and not really moving for the puck or anything. And then they have a couple of games where they just find ways to get it in the back of the net there. Like they ended yeah. Pittsburgh's 10 game win streak and down two nothing and three unanswered. Game over. Yeah. They're one of those teams, right? And, it's it's been a bit weird for them ever since they went to the Stanley Cup final. They, you know, they're it's like they're good, but they're almost like a fringe playoff team. And I think you're right with the consistency with this team. It's just, you know, the start of the year not being able to score any goals. And then uh they got pretty hot with goal scoring there in a stretch and then cooled back down. Um it, it, it's they have a lot of good pieces up front, right? When you take a look at their lineup but they are starting to get kind of old too. So you take a look at Dallas stars and uh, it's really interesting what, uh, where they're going to go. I know they got rumors too going on with Klinberg and maybe not being able to sign him. Is that a guy who they end up shipping off uh, with a 17, 12 and two record though? It, it, it makes you question what direction they're going to be going in here in the next month and a half. And especially they do have a pretty much older core other than Heiskanen. Heiskanen and Robertson. Yeah, Heiskanen, Robertson, Rupe Hints too. Uh, he's shown flashes of uh, brilliance up on that center position. Had a sick year last year. I think he was like 
at a point per game or just over a point per game uh, in the shortened season last year. Uh, stepped in, though, and was very, very slow offensively to get going. Um, so I think it's always tough, right? Bouncing back after a really good year like that. Um, and then you want to keep that same pace, but it, you know, Dallas was like super hot at the start of last season. I think Pavelski had 12 points in his first four or five games. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. He came out hot after having the first week off from COVID. Yeah. He's been pretty hot. Um, and then, um, what was I thinking there? Just, just like Jamie Ben and Sagan, like they haven't really lived up to their contracts, and, and that's been probably the biggest blow to Dallas is not having those guys live up to their contracts. And they are starting to get older, especially Jamie Ben. Um, you got Radulov up there who's getting older, Pavelski who's getting older. These guys don't have many uh, good years left in the NHL, so. Uh, you know, Dallas is playing good enough hockey to kind of, you know, push for that fringe, uh, you know, be a fringe playoff team. I don't know if they make it this year, though. There's a lot of good teams in the Central pushing this year. Yeah, the Central's going to be a tight division. I don't know about Dallas. Yeah, I, I honestly sure have them on the too. outside looking in. So, yeah, not sure about them either. So, at least this Dallas game, uh, it'll be the first of a back-to-back. Um I'm going to go with a crack and win on this one. I think they're able to pull out against Dallas. Um, we'll see who starts in that one. Obviously, with the back-to-back, it could be either goalie. You know, it might depend on uh, how that Colorado game goes. Uh, but the very next night, they're going to take on another very, very tough team who they haven't seen yet, who's also in the Central Division. That's the St. Louis Blues. Uh, one of my favorite teams to watch in the NHL. They're just always so offensively dynamic. 20, 10, and 5 record and coming in hot too. 7 and 3 in their last 10 games and coming off a, a real big uh, um, outdoor game as well where they uh, they stomped on the Minnesota Wild. So uh, t- let's talk about this St. Louis team here and, and this matchup and what we expect. Well, talk about a team that's so hot right now. They showed up to an outdoor game in Minnesota in shorts and t-shirts. They are feeling it. Yeah, it, it, I think it was minus six, uh, if I'm getting that right, minus six uh, Celsius, that is. Uh, and yeah, they're hopping off the bus in Hawaiian gear and stuff. Man, I was absolutely loving that. They they just looked like in the zone, just nice and loose, though, ready to just go play some fun hockey outside. And that was a cold game, too. People's beers were just exploding, freezing up and crap like that. But that's how it should be for an outdoor game. Yeah, that was the coolest part of it. You look out there and you see their, I mean, and I know it sucks for them. I'm sure they're freezing their asses off while trying to compete at a high level isn't the most safe thing for the human body, but it was fun as fuck to watch, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I mean, they got some heaters on the bench and stuff. So, you know, the the worst part, if you have any experience playing outdoor hockey, um, especially in full gear, if you take a, a hard shot, uh, from a frozen rubber puck right off your toe that's also oh. frozen that is that's the worst that's the worst pain so if you're out there blocking those shots i mean that puck seriously hurts so much more when it's been outside uh, you know and it's freezing up and then not only that but you add in your toes that get pretty cold uh, especially in those conditions oh that's some of the worst pain you're ever going to take 
I know, like, I thought freezing and going numb was supposed to stop me from feeling things, not make it worse. Oh, man, I could just feel like my toes rattling from that pain. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump into it. St. Louis, very offensive team right now uh, that, you know, is backed up by uh, a goaltender who has been very consistent this year. Uh, one that took them to an extraordinary run. Uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs too, and that's Jordan Bennington. So talk about uh, their type of goaltending that they're getting out of Bennington. Oh, it's pretty sick. You know, he's got his fire back. He looks like the Jordan Bennington from 2019 where all the confidence in the world is just pouring out of him. He's making steady saves, getting in front of guys, reading the angles well. I mean, and you see that when you're St. Louis and it just takes weight off your shoulders. You're like, oh, boys. We can start wheeling around now. Benner's got us back there. And not only that, he's a goalie who's proven to be able to play 70% of the games for them. So, like, he's consistently in the net, uh, doing making good performances, uh, you know, game after game. And you got to love the fiery inside, the tenaciousness to him. Uh, when he gets fired up, it's always fun to watch. Oh, he gets the boys going one way or another, whether it's with a save or trying to start shit with the other team. He's going to yeah. do something. He's fucking fake hitting people with the sticks, fucking throwing his throwing his blocker at people's faces. I can't believe this guy hasn't been in a goalie tilt yet. I know he's looked like he's tried to be in at least three or four, but uh, you got to love that. It kind of reminds you of some of those throwback goalies back in the day who – uh, who had that same fieriness to them, you know, like a Billy Smith. Uh, there are a couple other guys out there too. Who, uh, who Ron Hextall, right? He, I think he threw a stick, uh, you know, and ran people up against the boards a couple times. So he almost has that old school goalie mentality going on. Yeah, I mean, AHL Tuka Rask kind of had a bit of a temper tantrum. <laughs> that's true I've seen him <laughs> what was that the shootout or something just and he blew just up that four it. post oh yeah launches a stick across and not only that when he gets off the ice he throws like a milk crate like fucking just throws it so far across the ice that was great all Good right times. let's get into let's get into some of these players on st louis one I'd, I'd like to mention too who's uh had a big breakout season and been a big addition to my fantasy hockey team. That's Jordan Cairo. Jordan Cairo absolutely going off, set the record to for most points in an outdoor game with four. How big of a impact has he had to this hockey team? Oh, it's been huge. He provided that depth scoring for them. That combined with Tarasenko coming back into form, leading the team in points there. I mean, it's a lot when you can spread these guys out and you've got serious threats to be a scoring offense on multiple lines that forces teams to really think about it coming into the game like who are we going to put our best pressure on hoping that if you're lining up against Tarasenko he's the guy that's going to be hot that night so you've got your top D guys on him and you're hoping it's not Kairou who blows up for two goals and two assists which unfortunately for Minnesota it was that game yeah and and like you said man you take a look at this team's roster it's just packed with people who can score goals and and play such a good offensive dynamic game like uh i mean you take a look at ryan o'reilly the guy won a con Smythe. uh you, you take a look at some of these unknown players as well that not 
not really unknown, but guys you don't really hear about on the day-to-day basis too, who are making noise. Um, Robert Thomas is another guy who I think they picked 21st overall, who's blossomed into an awesome NHL player as well. He was drafted, you know, out of that London Knights organization. They're, they're just having so many guys step up and all three of their, or their top three lines have legitimate scoring threats. I mean, they even added a guy like Brandon Saad into this lineup that you forget about, you know, players like that because they aren't making as much noise, but it just speaks to the depths of, of what this team has up front, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime you can, like we talked about just a few minutes ago, create depth like that amongst your forwards lines, and it allows for your team, too, to just roll the four, it's an easy game. Easy game, for sure. You add in Pavel Buchnevich, too who they absolutely stole from the Rangers in a sick deal. What was it that they gave up a second and Sammy Blay for Booch? Yeah, that looks was good like for St. Louis. Game. And he's been just on fire for them too. Um, so like they got the Klim Costin, who's been awesome. They still have some good depth pieces. Oscar Sundquist, uh, you know, he was sick as well. Um, you know, who else is on this lineup? He, that is still really good and hasn't really taken too much of a step back. Braden Shen still a really good player as well. Like this, this team's full of guys who can score goals and make things happen. And then, you know, you take a look at their back end. They still have some really good pieces. Colton Pareko is, is going to be, you know, their big steady tough defenseman to play against. And then they have some good offensive guys on the back end too. Justin Falk. Uh, a guy who's kind of resurrected his career in a sense uh, coming over to uh, St. Louis after, you know, he was fucking pretty dominant in Carolina there on the back end, but then had a, had a down year and got traded. Uh, so, you know, he's been really good. And then obviously Tory Krug, uh, one of the best offensive defensemen in the NHL, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, this team is just full of weapons and I love the way they're built. Yeah, anytime you can have three defense that are around a 40, 45-point pace, you're looking to have a good season. Oh, yeah, and and they look like, you know, they're always primed to make some noise in the playoffs and a very exciting team. So that's going to be a very, very tough matchup for this Kraken team, um, especially on that back-to-back, but, uh, you know, a game I'm pretty excited to watch. And then, you know, they're going to end things off with, uh, another California battle uh, going up against the LA Kings on the crucial Saturday night game that the Kraken have been terrible in. Uh, you know, they're going to be facing an LA team who's been pretty good too. Uh, surprisingly good this year, 17, 13 and five record six and four in their last 10 games. Uh, they're looking like a really good team. Who's uh, bouncing back from their rebuild quite fast. Uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, you've shown the older guys kind of get rejuvenated a little bit. Anze Kopitar's having a great year with 29 points in 35 games. Their young guys are kind of slowly rotating in and getting chances. Kaliev's getting some points. Villardi's doing all right. You see Kapari getting games too. And then um, Jared Anderson Dolan got called up for a little bit there. Byfield's going to get his shot soon, coming back from injury in the o, or in the A there. Like they look like they're set up front for sure. 
They do, yeah. And I think it was a huge addition to bring a guy like Philip Deneau in as a free agent and make him play the hard minutes against the top lines and, you know, make him the star defensive forward and let some of these young guys really take the rein and be able to play some of those less tougher minutes against other lines and be able to take more shifts in the offensive zone. Uh, you know, a lot of the names you're, you're throwing out there are guys who are 23 and younger. So, you know, they have a lot of great young pieces to take over after the Drew Doughty, after the Kopitar, uh, after the, that's Anze Kopitar, by the way. Uh, Not Alex. <laughs> I called him Alex. Oh my God. What an idiot. <laughs> I called him Alex one time, but yeah, odds a Kopitar, you're Dustin Brown as well. Like they are, uh, in prime position to have those guys take over. And even Cal Pedersen, uh, you know, looks like he, he'll be a good starter for them once quick is ready to move on. But, um, yeah, this is another, another going to be a tough lineup and one player too. Uh, worth mentioning, who does not get enough love on this LA roster, who is producing and on the first line and making a lot of noise this year for this team. That's Adrian Kempe. So Adrian, yeah, he's Kempe, certainly helping out. He is helping out. He's having a huge year. I actually have him on my fantasy team. A guy who scores a lot of goals um especially this season he's got 21 points in 35 games but in those 35 games 15 goals so no slouch of a goal score there especially when you're on pace for over 30 in a season right yeah especially when no one else on the team has double digits mm -hmm. and la you know for a while they're they're really changing kind of the dynamic of what, what their team is gonna be uh, for a lot of years, they were that strong, you know, power, powerful, defensive style, rugged, you know, built for the playoffs type of team. Um, but with this rebuild, they've they've really added in a lot more skill as well to their lineup. Uh, guys like Alex Turcott, who's just a sweet, like small skilled centerman, who's going to be a big impact. Uh, they have some other real, real good prospects on the back end. Uh, Brant Clark is another real good prospect as well. You mentioned Rasmus Kupari, um, Arthur Kaliev. He, he brings more of that power forward. Uh, doesn't maybe doesn't use his body as much as, uh, I think a lot of people might like, but his goal scoring ability is off the charts, right? Yeah. He's got a shot for sure. He'll be a guy that'll eventually be a staple on their power play on that right side over there. And he's a, yeah. not an underrated, not exactly an underrated playmaker either. Like he can find guys in the lanes there as he sets up for the shot and fakes it and hits the back door. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And yeah, before moving on from this team, I got to give some props to uh, Jonathan Quick too, just because he's really turned things around at age thirty-five. He, he's a big reason why this team has uh, kind of been playing some really good hockey as of late. You know, he's got 10 wins on the year in 22 games. Obviously, he's got four overtime losses and eight regulation losses. But you look at his numbers, he's got an, a 921 save percentage, 2.40 goals against average, and two shutouts on the year. Pretty damn good for you know somebody who has an NHL career save percentage of 913. Uh, and, and a 241 goals against average. So, you know, he's actually improving his NHL numbers at the age of 35. And, and 
you know, that's an interesting guy right there. Uh, who, you know, would he be available for a trade at the deadline if uh, LA doesn't believe they're going to be a playoff team or a serious contender? I think he's the dark horse that Edmonton goes after. A guy like who's that. done it, he's proven it and in the playoffs. He's a steady, calming force for your team, and he's having a good year. He won't cost you much to get, like everyone's saying. Jake Allen from Montreal is going to cost. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's my dark horse there. I like that. That's a great pick. And this is his best season uh, in the last five years uh, statistically, at least on pace for that right now. So. Yeah, a bit of a career resurrection for him uh, this season. And you love to see that, especially with, uh, you know, a player who's 35 years old and a goalie for that for that matter, right? Yeah, and they always say it takes goalies a little bit longer to get to their prime. Well, when he hit it, he dominated. So it's nice oh, to yeah, see him playing time. back up to that level. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, you know, obviously, like we mentioned in past uh, podcasts, LA's or LA uh, Seattle's struggled on these Saturday night games too. I, I believe you've mentioned the record a few times, but they pretty much have what, like one win or they are. Oh, four and one on Saturday <laughs> night at home. Oh, four and one. So gotta Saturday have this game. night at home games again. Hopefully they pull through. I'm going to go with, um, I say this one is a four, three overtime win. I love it. Cracking on it, baby. I think it's going to be a tight battle. It's a good, they match up real well. Uh, I think, I think they're two tenacious teams who like to hit a lot and go after it. So uh, anytime you have that, it's going to make for some fireworks, hopefully. So it'll be good. Yeah, I agree with uh, your predictions there. I think Dallas and LA are the winnable games there where they could pull it out. Mm -hmm. I don't like Colorado and St. Louis, but let's get a fucking dub at home on Saturday night. Yeah, let's go for it, boys. Let's get that dub, baby. Uh, and yeah, excited to watch some hockey. Hopefully, COVID can fuck off and uh, you know stay out of our way because that would be good because we don't need that shit happening anymore. Big four games. Give us four games next week. Uh, I'd love to have it happen because uh, we've had too many days of too many uh, too many non hockey days lately. <clears throat> All right, and moving on to our, our last thing here in in this uh, podcast, looking back at the expansion draft here, we're going to take a look back and just go over some of those picks that the Kraken organization made. Uh, I know you could sit here and say it's all on the Ron Francis who's making the picks, but at the end of the day, I mean, he has a team of people who uh, make these decisions together. Uh, so it's not just on, on the manager. You have to keep that in mind when you're thinking about this and all that, right? So... Looking back at the expansion draft, Durham, give me your thoughts on, you know, what picks would you keep? And then, you know, what would you change? And just let's just talk about this expansion draft and and maybe some things uh, that they did well in it. Well, a couple of the picks I really like halfway through the year and, you know, six months after having them or whatever. I got four each that I like and four that I'd kind of like to change. The four I like are Jamie Alexiak, who's been a staple on that top pairing with Giordano and played pretty well on the right side, considering this team's not having that great of a season, and it's his offhand. And then up front, I got Jared McCann, Yanni Gord, and Brandon Tanev. Sure, you might say a little bit of a Pittsburgh bias there, 
But Tanev's a guy who's going to be a staple in your bottom six and really push the pace of the game and really crush his penalty kill units and be your best four checker every night. So there's a guy who's going to understand his role and set it for the other guys on that line as well. And then Yanni Gord and McCann, presence up front. Honestly, to cut you off there, Brandon Tanev, if anyone disagrees with that pick, um, kick rocks. Honestly. Yeah, like no one knew Rodriguez was going to blow up like this. And sure, you got Jason Zucker, but that's a lot more money too. And Tanev fits a need for this team, and he fits it well. With what was available, Tanev, uh, one of those guys, he just almost irreplaceable in a lineup which is crazy to think as like a guy who's more set for the bottom six, but uh, this guy's a fan favorite. He's awesome. He gives it everything a hundred percent of the night. Like uh, he's a, he's a fucking awesome hockey player. I love that guy. He's a fucking sheriff. He is. Uh, let's swing it back to your one defensive pick though. Cause I completely agree with it. Jamie Alexiak. Why do you have him there? Oh, he's been a great presence on the back end, being able to contribute both offensively and defensively. Sure, he's not like absolutely lighting it up offensively, but his transition game's pretty good and moving the puck up front. He pitches in to create chances on offense as well. But defensively, he's got that range. You know, he's a big guy. He uses his stick well, he uses his body very well out front to clear the net. And he's mobile, too. He's not stuck in one position. He's able to get around and help out everybody on the ice, and he's showing why he got that big contract this summer. Yeah, he's going to be a staple on their back end. And almost all of those comments, uh, I'm going to attribute to another guy that they picked who I don't think gets enough love for what he brings to the lineup, and that's Carson Soucy from the Minnesota Wild. I thought that was a great pick, especially – getting to watch him play for the Kraken now. Uh, He plays a lot of those hard minutes. Again, another big, big defenseman. You know, he's out there killing penalties. Uh, But probably the most underrated part of his game is his ability to to put pucks on net and not on net, but in the net too. Uh, He showed that in Minnesota that he could score goals, and he's proven that on a much weaker team uh, that he can continue to step up into, into plays uh, and score a goal. He likes to step up and, and, and find those lanes. But not only that, he has a bomb from the point that he likes to use quite often too. Yeah, I mean, he leads the D in goals and there's a good reason for that. Yeah, and like we said earlier, he's not getting power play time. Or at least he wasn't uh, when our D were kind of healthy and set. It was basically uh, between Giordano and Vince Dunn. So um, yeah, I like those picks a lot. Uh, who else did you have on forward there? You had, I got McCann uh, and Gord. And, and you know, great picks there as well, obviously. You take a look at Yanni Gord. Yeah, there was a couple other options there for um, f- to, to take off Tampa. Obviously, you had, like, Palat. You had uh, Alex Kalorn. And those are guys who obviously are good and contribute to a lineup. But what's the difference between uh, what Yanni Gord brings and what those guys don't bring to the lineup? And how does that fit with Seattle's expansion draft and the type of team they tried to build here? Well, he's kind of a blend of both of those players. You know, he's got the more skill game that Palat brings, and he's got that gritty screw you game that Killorn's able to bring and win the board battles. And he's got speed like Tanev, too. So he can kind of play throughout your lineup entirely. And he's a centerman, which is something this team kind of lacks. They're a little weak down the middle. 
And also, if you look at um, Tampa Bay's last two runs as well, he's a guy who's been right at the top of their list in time on ice when it gets to the playoffs. So he's a guy who understands what it takes to win when it gets to the most important time of the year to get those wins. And I think that's something they were hoping he'd be able to contribute towards the Seattle team. Yeah, 100% agree there. And let's throw it to McCann for a second too, because obviously, you know, Pittsburgh trades him to uh, Toronto. So so at least they have, uh, you know, because you know, taking a look at their team for the expansion draft, it was basically McCann or Kerfoot who was going to get taken. And I think 100% they made the right decision by taking McCann here. Uh, allowing Toronto to still have a similar style player that they have in their lineup. So, you know, how big of a, uh, how great of a pick has McCann been for this team? Oh, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's a guy who's leading the team in goals. He's third in points and he doesn't get consistent first line or power play time. Like that's a guy who's contributing offensively quite a bit with something that he's with what he's been given. No, I 100% agree with that. Like Those have all been very solid picks. And to run a couple other ones that uh, I still liked as well, um, considering what Buffalo had to give up, I like Will Borgen. You know, that's a young D who's going to continue to grow. And he's shown pretty good in the games that he's been able to get into. Um, So I've liked what he'd bring. He's only really had that one game where uh, he had two bad defensive errors. And you know, those kind of bit him. He was able to, you know, get a good puck on net and redeem himself for one of them. But those mistakes are going to happen with young defensemen, especially when they don't have any real experience in the NHL. He didn't really bring much coming over from Buffalo. So I still like that and think there's a lot of good potential there. Um, <clears throat> I still like the Don Scoy pick with, you know, if, if I was in that situation, I probably would have picked Don Scoy it sucks you're not getting the offense uh, out of him that you thought you would, but I still like that pick. Um, Adam Larson's still a pretty good pick from Edmonton there, um, considering what was on the board. Um, Jordan Eberle was the best pick out of the Islanders, in my opinion. So they obviously hit well there, in my opinion. And yeah, other than that... um, There was a couple picks that didn't really matter, didn't really do much. And then let's get into some things that we would definitely change now that uh, we get to look back in retrospect here. Um, So started off with somebody who, uh, you know, no offense to the player or the management, but that you would do much differently this time around. Well, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So you know what your team looks like now and what the holes are. And having that knowledge, I think I would still, or I'd take uh, Tarasenko over Dunn. I'd move Susie up into the top four there, promote him a little bit more, get him the extra ice. And you'd have Tarasenko, who's revitalized his game. He leads St. Louis in points. He would be a definite threat as a shooter every time he's on the ice. Probably be your goal-scoring leader. And yeah. you're signing Schwartz anyways, and now they've got the connection up front there. Maybe yeah, brings true. a little you're more already, offense to Schwartz. Exactly. Already bringing some chemistry there. And I think it could have been easy enough. You know, I think we haven't really seen what we should be seeing out of Vince Dunn. I thought he was primed for a bit of a breakout and getting more ice time and stuff. That hasn't been the case, has it? No, unfortunately not yet. Like, any. We talk about the unfortunate blunders like that Will Borgen had that one game 
and we've talked about it before with uh, Vince Dunn, it seems like every mistake the poor kid makes, it ends up looking like a big one. Like three or four of them early yeah. in the year ended up directly in the back of his net. And I don't know if that's weighing on him now, but you look at what he's done through 30 games and you look at what Tarasenko's done through 30 games, and it's like, fuck, I think I'd rather have that. Yeah, no, 100%. And it could have been a lot easy to you know, maybe focus on some other available defensemen. Uh, you know, you take a look at uh, the Winnipeg Jets. We took Mason Appleton. To be honest, he hasn't really found a spot in this lineup too much and he hasn't really brought much of the offense that he's shown uh, for the Jets. So, you know, they had some some defensemen available where you could have easily, you know, brought in somebody from their team and, and instead of taking Appleton, yeah, bring in or Appleton, bring in that D, and then you have a you have a forward like Tarasenko who you could bring in instead of Dunn there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, who, who else on this list are you are you looking at and and saying maybe they should have went in this direction or that direction? <laughs> well, knowing that centermen are a bit of a weak spot, I think I would take Duchesne from Nashville over yarn I mean, Callie's a good winger on the outside there and he's cheap and probably going to be a bit of a trade bait for us at the trade deadline there. But Duchesne mm-hmm. having a good year and a strong centerman with speed. I'd like to build a team with speed down the middle. And that's something Duchesne and Gord absolutely bring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, Duchesne has, shown in multiple years that he could be an elite centerman in the NHL. You know, he was part of team Canada for the world cup and was one of their leading scorers on that team. Uh, this guy can bring a, a heck of a lot to a lineup. Uh, in my, my opinion, maybe it was his contract that scared them away from picking it. Um, they, what, one thing they did do is they left themselves a lot of flexibility with the cap going forward with this team. Um, so maybe not locking into a, a contract like Duchesne was something they intentionally did. But if you're looking at being a competitive team, I mean, you could have had Duchesne and Tarasenko on you on your top line, right? Like, oh yeah, that 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 would have been uh, like a heck of a line to see, and that would have uh, would have been a, a lot of fun to watch. No, no doubt going uh, or you know, for this team going forward. So, you know, I think they dropped the ball on that one for sure. Yeah. I think that would have been a definite boost to the goal scoring capabilities of this team. I mean, that's something they lack in, is being able to put the puck in the net naturally. And if you had a little more skill and speed up front and a natural shooter like Tarasenko, I mean, it's something they don't really have. We talked about McCann's kind of their threat as a shooter. And even then he's more of a second line threat. So Tarasenko would have been one of your elite players per possible all-star selection for the year. He probably will be from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Well, with the way he's putting up points and resurrecting his career again, um, you know, he, he never really found the points in Nashville, but this year they're, they're starting to go off uh, and, and they're a heck of a team this year. They got crazy good goaltending now backing them up with Saros. You know, for a small goaltender like him, the fa- the way he moves around in the net and how well positioned he is, he's he's insane. He's stopping 35, 40 shots every single game uh, and they're winning, you know, uh, and he's only letting up one to two goals in those games. Like uh, he's been insane. You know, Roman Yossi is an absolute wrecking ball out there. Like 
Like it seems like every game he plays, he's at least getting a point uh, and contributing in, in some sort of way. So um, yeah, Nashville has been such a surprising team this year. Um, and, you know, you could have had a guy like Duchesne on Seattle and, and that could have been a huge difference maker. Was there anybody else that you had uh, who uh, you think you would switch up or, you know, obviously I got, fight, I got go two more. <clears throat> okay. And unfortunately, I'm going to contradict you on one. I'm going to take Colin Miller from Buffalo over Will Borgen. All right. Yeah, I do like that. Yep. I'm going to take him because I think he's a guy who's kind of, well, he's having a decent year, you know, 11 points and I think 33 games for, on Buffalo of all freaking places there. And he's an expiring contract too. So that's a guy you could probably eat a couple mil on towards the deadline and move him out and retain some assets there. Something you're probably not going to be able to do with Will Borgen, who seems to be fighting for a spot at 25. Yeah, the, no, that's, that, that's fair. I mean, you look at uh, Colin Mill, Miller's, some of his numbers, really good. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you you probably have the better pick than me on there. I'll, uh, I'll admit that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, is there anybody else, or is that kind of it on your list? My last one is kind of... A fun one. I'm taking okay. Brennan Dillon over Vitek Vanacek, and I'm still trading him to Winnipeg. In order to get more out of the deal than what they got for Vanacek? Exactly. That was horse shit. How, do yeah, you, how does the down. team, you teal a goal? Or, all right, let's go. I'm going to get go. pissed off at this one. <laughs> yeah. Seattle selects Vanacek from Washington. Right? We all know that. They trade yeah, him we, back we to Washington for one second or, round pick. Yep. Brennan Dillon, who was also exposed with Vitek Vanacek, then gets traded from Washington to Winnipeg for two second-round picks. So Washington got to keep their goalie and lose someone basically in expansion to Winnipeg, and they got a second-round pick out of it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, when you put it in, uh, when you break it down like that, it's it's like seems like a pretty boneheaded move. I don't know if they, you know, banked on taking Vanacek there because they were uncertain of uh, if they were going to be able to sign a guy like Grubauer. You know, they picked Drigger in the draft. Grubauer was a free agent. Um, so maybe they're unsure of that. But at the same time, that seems like a lost opportunity, no doubt. Doesn't it? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point with not being sure of getting Grubauer, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure you'd have been able to get a quality backup, maybe 1B player in free agency anyways. I think so, too. There was a big market for goalies out there. so Everybody got a goalie this offseason. Yeah, I think Oprah Winfrey was handing them out, uh, putting goalies under the under the seats of the fans and stuff. So uh, she was doing her part, and uh, everybody got a goalie. So uh, thank you for thank you, Oprah. She's a very kind lady. Worked out for some, didn't work for others. Yeah, didn't work for some. I got you know I got one here. I'll I'll mention in. Um, still happy with what this player's done, but one that uh, would have been a bit interesting. Um, the direction that they that the Kraken went in with uh, the Calgary Flames, I love Mark Giordano. I think he's brought a ton to this team. I think you know he gives it every night. He's great. Uh, chances are they're getting a first round pick, maybe even more, because of uh, you know what he's done this season on a you know a, a pretty bad Seattle Kraken team. 
But when I look back, I look at a guy like Oliver Shillington and question whether or not that would have been a better pick, uh, a better guy to take there. Now, Shillington, young defenseman here. Um, I think he, he, you know, he just turned or he's 24 right now. He's finally coming into his groove. He's got 32 games played with the Calgary Flames this year. 19 points plus 10. Doesn't get much time on the power play either uh, to put up those kind of numbers, just the two power play points. What do you think about that? Oh, I remember when he was getting drafted, he was kind of one of those like boom bust picks and Calgary got in the second round there. And he's really started to boom. He's certainly not busting. It seems like the ice time that was created from Giordano's absence slowly and more surely went to Shillington, and he's just taking it. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been interesting to see what he could do, uh, you know, as, as another young defenseman on this team. But, you know, looking at it, I, th- I think whatever we get in a trade out of Giordano uh, is going to provide or is going to prove to be, uh, you know, the bigger the bigger piece to this team in the long run than maybe what Shillington would would have turned out to be, you know, and that's the hopes that it is a, a first round pick and and obviously the hopes that you hit on that pick, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, nobody wants to pick up a huge Jessamine. No, not at all. So yeah, looking ahead, obviously, or looking back, obviously there's moves that they could have made differently to, you know, maybe bring more offensive presence to this team, change things up on the back end. We didn't really touch on the goaltending here. Uh, It's always a tough one. Um, Heading into this season, everybody had the duo of Drieger and Grubauer as at least a top 10 duo you know, maybe pushing top five in the league. So to, to look back and say, Oh, we could have done something different in goalie. It's like, you could have, but you also picked up a Vesna finalist and one of the best backup goalies all last season. Uh, so I think they did really well. It sucks. Now looking at it, obviously they're locked into, they're locked into some, some, some contracts here with these goalies triggers only three years. So you'll have two years left after this. Maybe he's a trade bait piece as a goalie too. Um, maybe a team's willing to take a shot on a guy like Tr- Chris Drieger, but I don't think anyone's going to be going out looking at Grubauer right now in his contract and thinking, wow, I want that guy on my team. Yeah, I certainly think you've got to get them both back next season, maybe improve the team up front a little bit reduce your chances against get a little more goals for and then you're going to have teams like oh so that's what they look like with a decent team in front of them again yeah i just think the confidence is gone and and it's tough to watch some nights um do you think Drager could be traded though i think he can but i don't think it'll be this year i don't think he's a guy you'd want to sell low on one year after pumping him so much as the first guy you got and it kind of leaked out that he was the goaltending the goalie for seattle in the expansion draft and mm-hmm. i, I yeah, don't there think was a lot of PR. no there was a lot of talk about him in it so yeah you know that's fair but you know hopefully you guys uh appreciated a bit of our breakdown with some of the expansion picks and whatnot um that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode though uh you know it was a fun one to do even with no games Obviously, next week, though, we get to watch four games, hopefully. You know, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Yep, knocking on it right there. 
Um, it's going to be real fun. So thanks everyone for tuning into episode 16. Join us next week. We're going to break down all four of those games, hopefully, and take that deep dive into the top prospects of the 2022 draft and what players might make the most sense for the Kraken to target. And Matthew Savoie. Yeah, <laughs> Matthew Savoie, hint, hint. And of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things Kraken. So have a great week, everyone. Peace out, Kraken Nation, and take care.